and welcome back to the Freewheeling Podcast. It is November, first week of November, because <laughs> this will not come out the day we record it. <laughs> so I can't say it's November 2nd, because it's probably November 3rd. Anyway, not the point. We're back. It's the first week of November. I'm Abby Mickey, here with Amy Jones. Hello. Sounding healthier and less echoey, hopefully. Way, way healthier, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And Lauren Rowney. G'day, g'day. And we've got kind of a season wrap-up episode for everybody today. There's a little bit of news, but we're going to just ignore it and talk about our favorite moments of the season, races that we loved, riders that we're excited about, kind of a, yeah, a good season in review since the women's road season is finally over. But before we dive into all of that, this episode is brought to you by Zwift. On November 6th, so coming up later this week at 7 a.m. Pacific time, so California time, NBA Hall of Famer Reggie Miller is leading a group ride on Zwift that will break the internet. Reggie is hoping that you will join him to raise awareness and funding for diversity in cycling. Specifically, Reggie's raising money to create cycling programs at historically black colleges and universities. Zwift needs over 20,000 riders to break the world record, so please consider joining the ride and donating $2 through USA Cycling to HBCU programs. For more information, check out the link in the show notes, and we really hope to see you on the roads of Zwift. Thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this episode and for putting on this ride. Pretty cool. What time is it again? 7 a.m. Pacific time. Ah, that's perfect. So that's like... The middle of the day here. Yeah, that would be like 2 p.m. Uh, Central European time, I believe. Late lunch ride. Yeah. I'm bad at conversions, so double check that. But I'm pretty sure that that would be around 2 or 3 p.m. So like a good afternoon spin. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Australians maybe can't participate. That would be like... That would be like a midnight ride. <laughs> I mean, they do it sometimes. I remember when Sarah Gigante was waking up at like 1 a.m. to race the Zwift races. Yeah, the Tour of Healer or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into the episode. <laughs> Let's dive into the episode. We decided, since the road season's finally over, to do kind of like our top moments of the of the season, top riders, whatnot. So... Let's start with the top team. I feel like some of these, we're going to have different answers, and some of them, we're going to all feel the same. So let's. who who do we think was the top team of 2021? Results-wise or results and teamwork-wise? I See, have down. Is, I had a- this is where we can differ. We can, you, you can go, I think results-wise, X, Y, Z, but I think as far as, the top team to watch or something like that. So it's open. It's uh, it's up in the air. It's however you interpret it. For me, it's it's like um it's between Trek and Trek Segafredo and SD Works. Um obviously I think SD Works obviously pulled off more wins this year. Um but you can't look past Trek because they just race so beautifully together. I don't think there is a team that gels as well. I mean that being said, SD Works do race phenomenally well together as well. But in terms of talent, I think they have a more stacked rot- roster. If you looked at numbers and riders, 
but Trek has a more diverse lineup and they really have, um, I don't know, they just gel. For me, yeah, I'm very biased, but Trek for me is, is the best team. I think SD Works for me was the top team results and also just the variety of different riders that they had winning races. They had, of course, Demi Bullering and Anna Vanderbregen were like their top, top. But they still had Chantal Vandenbroek Black won Strada Bianchi. Like they still had a bunch of other riders win races, Amy Peters um, in in the UK. Like it, they had a variety. So I think I agree with you. Like love the way that Trek Segafredo rides. I think they had some hiccups this year, which didn't take away from how impressed I am with them as a team. But for me, it was just like, SD Works performance of the Giro Donne, like regardless of whether it was World Tour or not, kind of was like, okay, this team is still the best, still the top team. Yeah, I think objectively, like there's no other answer to that question, really. Like they are the top team. But I mean, I was also really impressed with to talk about teams that maybe worked well together or punched above their weight. Valkar, I think, does ever mention. Um, <coughs> sorry. I said I was healthy, but maybe not quite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they've got the current world champion now. They, they always just seem to, to, especially in sprints, I guess, get results that are way above their stature as a team, as a continental team. And I guess drops do the same too. Uh, and obviously WNT. Um but in terms of the world tour teams, like, yeah, it's, Abby, like you said, it's between Trek and, and SD Works, but I think SD Works edge it out there a bit, just in terms of results and teamwork and, yeah. So then breakout team for this year? I know that's not on there, but. I think Movistar deserves an honorable mention. And most the, most of their wins came from two riders, but it still takes a team, right? And I think them with Anamik and with Emma Norsgaard, they really kind of, they really, really stepped it up this year. I mean, bef- before that, they barely had any wins at all. And they are going to win the world tour leader overall this year with Anamik. So I think as far as like a breakthrough team or a team that, that started uh, and that really impressed me this year, I would say, yeah, Movistar. But I also loved the way that Canyon Stram raced this year. I think that they have like a new injection of of something in the team. That's a bad that's a bad phrasing. But they have <laughs> in this sport, they have like a there's something new in going on that's also a bad phrasing. Something happened this year and they are working way better together and I loved watching them race this year. Yeah. I think yeah, Tiffany Cromwell was really impressive like she's come back to the form that we've seen her have in the past and she's been working really well for the team and I was also really impressed with Ella Harris um she did really well this year in terms of again like her job for the team but also a few good results herself as well um yeah I think yeah they've they've definitely we've taken the piss out of them in the past for like teamwork and stuff but I think they have stepped it up this year and of course Elise Shabby 
Mm-hmm. She had a phenomenal yeah, of course, yeah. season. But I think um, because Tiff is riding so well again and she's going deeper into the races, she's a, an awesome team captain. So I think that could perhaps be part of the reason um, because, you know, previously we weren't seeing the past few years her really going deep into those races and then you kind of lose that leadership but that injection what you're referring to abby is i think that injection of young blood essentially like these new riders that are bringing enthusiasm um into the team whereas you had like a few seasoned riders that were maybe um had been on the team a bit long and were ready for a new move so i think next year we'll also see a bit of a difference because there's been some riders leaving and some new ones coming in. And uh, on the conversation of Tiff, she was supposed to retire at the end of 2022, but has just signed a two-year deal with Canyon's Ram. So she'll be racing another year after kind of what she'd thought would be the end, which, I mean, based on her form this year, best race of the season. This is hard because I was looking at your questions and I was sitting there going, Oh my god, which which races? Like it's been so long now and I mean, I've had a baby brain for sure, but mm. I'm trying to like think back to what we got so amped up over. Um I'll let Amy or you go first. <laughs> okay, for me it goes back to the one day races in the early season cuz they were every single one of them was aggressive maybe a rider we thought would win one but I can kind of narrow down the races that I thought were exceptional to maybe two or three okay Trofeo Alfredo Binda was yes that was my race (laughs) yeah yep yeah and in terms of a race that started off a little slow but then amped it up and you were and kind of blew you away at the end of it uh the Bruges de Pana where Grace Brown won like miraculously solo was also just an epic race and I think Perry Roubaix of course is always going to be one of the top races of 2021 regardless of how that race played out it was always going to be a top race because it's Perry Roubaix. But I think, like for me, I always I go back to the classics, and and it was yeah those early races, Trofeo Alfredo Benda, Strada Bianchi, even those ones were top top races. Yeah, agree with you. I want to throw Amstel Gold in there, but I want to get back to that a bit later in terms of some of the the other things we'll be talking about. I think as far as best races go, we should also include. Vuelta a Burgos, because that was a race that was uh, every single day we had a new winner. The jersey changed hands a bunch, which is something we love. And maybe the final GC was exactly what we expected. But the way we got there was exciting every step of the way. Yep, I agree with that. I had that down on my my little list, Um, particularly that first stage, the way it went down and with Grace Brown winning um, I thought that was really exciting. Um, and like we've said before, there's not that many tours. Um, and, yeah, the Giro was kind of set in stone from day one or two. So to have any tour where the jersey changes hands every day is is always an exciting tour. Yeah, definitely. And we won't be saying that next year 
<laughs> that we don't have any tours, especially today they announced uh, that the Ride London is going to be three days next year. That's exciting. And they don't have a men's race. They just decided to have a three-day women's race and a sporty only. Hell yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> the men have enough. Exactly. I mean. so, Burgos, the only complaint about Burgos is that we only got to see like the last four Ks of the race every day. But they were exciting 4ks that was pretty bad yeah (laughs) all right so the the like a nail biter finish a finish that kind of came down to the wire for me uh the world championships yes you keep saying all the ones that i have damn it (laughs) (laughs) i mean that race was like it seriously came down to the wire and the winner was even though it came down to a a small bunch sprint the winner was not who who I expected. So it was such an exciting nail biter of a finish. And we were standing together, screaming Voss, Voss, and then yeah, just a little bit of bias there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of nail biting a race type. A race that literally did come down to the wire was um, was it was it Brabant's Pale where Ruth Winder and Demi Vollering the the photo yes. finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Just because Demi posted up and one. Ruth did a sick bike throw. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was pretty nail-biting, probably for Demi more than anyone. Yes, it was. Oh, poor Demi. Yeah. I mean, but she's she's going to... We'll talk about her later, for sure. Well, she <laughs> went on to take some revenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Top race from, like, an organization perspective. A race that we were impressed with how... It was run, how it was covered, how the race did. I think Binda could be like we had like a, a decent of amount coverage. of coverage. And I think like mm-hmm. that's just such a good circuit. I know it's like it's really long standing and it's just a really good race. And it's a standalone women's race as well. Yeah, I'm I'm also gonna say the ladies tour of Norway. I was super impressed with their uh, with their coverage and the organization of that race seemed really good. And then I think all the Flanders classics did a really good job again. Um, yeah, definitely. And that's something that's just going to grow as we move out of this COVID pandemic and people can actually go out and watch the races um, at full capacity again. But, you know, a few years ago we were only getting 30 to 40 minutes and now we're getting like a big chunk of time that we can actually watch the race and um just in general i think it's it's growing and growing i'm really excited to see next year what how, how it goes cuz we are by then hopefully you know another year closer to being out of the pandemic and things will maybe be back to normal who knows but or back to some semblance of normal maybe more races will have some cushion to be able to have some more live coverage and stuff. So I'm I'm super excited to see how it goes next year, how the calendar changes for next year and what that means for the live coverage and everything. I have a lot more to talk about on the podcast for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Most impressive rider of the season. Amy, I think you should go first. Yeah. Ah, okay. Off the top of my head, I mean... The, the names that come into my head are Lorena Weavers. I mean, she, I don't know if I'm right, but she's had the most wins. Is that right? I think. I mean, she's won like e- almost every single bunch sprint that she's yeah. lined up for. She's won. Yeah. 
And if she hasn't, it's maybe it's like because she crashed or something happened. Like she mm-hmm. she's insanely good. Like she's unbeatable in sprint. She's probably like one of the only pure sprinters that the women's peloton has. Like but- Yeah, and I don't I don't know if like she doesn't do world tour races just because of the team or what, but she's not it's like she almost flies under the radar because she doesn't do the huge races all the time. But whenever she does line up for a race, she's she wins or like something weird happens. Mm -hmm. So I guess, yeah, yeah, I would say her maybe like more the later half of the season and not only road, but Blanca Vass was another name I had written down. I'll put her later on in the the list of things that we're going to talk about, but definitely um, an honourable mention to her with the big win the other day in the cross. Um, I don't know if you guys watched that, but she was phenomenal. And then she got a, yeah, she won the World Cup and a podium at the Koppenberg Cross. So that was very impressive. Um, it's hard though, like you were saying, because you break the season sometimes into first half and second half. Like if we were talking in June, then we would be throwing out names like Emma Norsgaard and, Lotta Kopecky and um, we can't forget Anna Vanderbregen had a fantastic year in her last year. She won a lot of races. Mm. Um, who else has there been? Denny Vollering. Ruth Winder had a great start. Yeah. So I, I can't actually settle on one rider. It's, it's quite difficult because at points I was thinking like this rider is the most impressive, but maybe I'm thinking more breakout as well. Um, but Considering it was Anna's last year, I think she just went on on such a high. Like, you know, quite often riders in their last year don't win as much as she did, but she really just stamped her authority on the peloton and, like, how fantastic she just really is. She could have continued going, really, and kept winning as much. I know we mentioned her earlier, but I'd say Elise Chabet as well, like, really came into her own. She like yeah stepped up into more of a leader role in certain races and performed really well. I think for me, the season as a whole, like if you yeah, look at both halves of the season all together, two riders stand out for me above anyone else. And uh that's Anamique Van Vluten, who, you know, we gave her a little bit of a hard time for not looking great in the beginning of the season. She still won Flanders. She won the time trial at the Olympics. She won Tour of Norway. She won races throughout the entire year. So I think she kind of, I mean, she's going to win the world. She she won the world tour uh, standings. So for me, she stands out as w- once again being one of the top riders. Um, but I think Elisa Longaborghini, when you look at the season as a whole, she rode really, really well in the beginning of the season and had like a little bit of a lull there in the middle, but she came back super strong to finish third in the Olympic road race and in Perry roubaix which is pretty amazing. So I think if you take away Anamique, who's always been up there and will continue to be up there, Elisa Longaborghini was my probably top rider of the season. Teammate wise, and also like she got her own results. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah. Okay. This one, 
is easy. And she could also factor into the best rider of the season and was mentioned. Top transfer for me is Demi Vollering. <laughs> like, SE Works scored with her. They lost on a uh, Anna Vandebregen this year uh, to retirement, but they got, you know, the next big Dutch cyclist in Demi Vollering. She finished second in the World Tour standings, like her first year in the World Tour. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anyone to top that. They, that didn't, yeah, I was like, that sounded like you agreed, but you were also scared. No, yeah, no, but you were like, thinking about it. Like, it's uh, just like Abby's beating, beating me to the punch every time. Um, <laughs> I'm like... You can go first next time. No, I'm trying to think. Like, yeah, I mean, I think obviously Liv getting Lotta Kopecky was a really good thing for them. Um, Anamik to Movie Star. And Emin Noah's got to Movie Star too. And yeah, those were two Basically, teams, but- most of the riders that came out of Pole Car last year and then to whatever teams they went to, like, have really stepped up. Yeah, Marlon Russo. Yeah. Yes, yeah. She was great. I mean, she was like the only only win for all ABTC Ljubljana. I mean, Marta Bastinelli won a stage of the women's tour, but other than that, like Marlon Russo is their top, top rider. Yeah. All season. But yeah, going back to what you said, Abby, Demi Vollering, phenomenal year. She had a great 2020 considering the pandemic and everything, but she just stepped it up like a crazy level this year. All right. Before we move on to the next couple categories. This episode is also brought to you by Hammerhead. The Hammerhead Career 2 is the next generation cycling computer that brings the power of advanced GPS navigation and intuitive software right to your handlebars. It's advanced and industry-leading mapping, navigation, and routing capabilities set it apart from other GPS options so you can explore with confidence. Seamlessly import routes from Strava, Komoot, and more. Hammerhead's new exclusive climber feature lets you visualize and prepare for upcoming gradient changes in real time. Climber was designed and developed in collaboration with the world's best climbers and proven in France, where it earned Israel Startup Nation rider Michael Woods some time in the polka dot jersey. For a limited time, freewheeling podcast listeners will get a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karoo 2 if you visit hammerhead.io right now and use the promo code freewheeling at checkout. That's a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Karoo 2 with the promo code freewheeling only for a limited time. And thank you to Hammerhead for supporting this episode. Okay. Most exciting new rider. Lauren, you touched on one rider already. Oh, which one was that? Blind yeah, I don't know box. why I jumped the gun with that one. I don't know why I said her in the last thing. I don't know what I was doing. My brain's not working. Sorry. Everyone. I think you were thinking, though, that I, we've had this discussion about some of these cross riders that when they do get signed, there's just this huge amount of potential. And um, watching a race across this past weekend, I got really excited about what she's going to do next year on the road. She's so young. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to have a rider also out of Hungary, how many riders do we know have come from Hungary? Um, just diversity in the sport is is really great in that aspect. So um, I think she's definitely um, an exciting new rider. I also thought Charlotte Cool was um, for in terms of sprinting. She's a very promising young rider, and I'm excited to see what she does next year. She was beating some of the top sprinters um, 
which is really exciting. Um, and then I can't nail it down to most exciting. What do you reckon, Amy? I think I've already said it, haven't I? That was my That's answer. a blank of us. Yeah. I'm going with that. Abby? Um, we talk about her a lot and uh, you too zip it with your sass that's about to come up but I am really excited for Neve Fisher Black <laughs> kind of in the coming year. <laughs> yes Neve not to mention I mean for she's you. still yeah I mean she's still like a new rider she was the, on the young rider classification didn't she of the world tour young rider classification yep. she, yeah and she's she's relatively new she's still like finding her feet on SD works. So I'm excited for her. I think also like we forget that she's new to the world tour, but Emma Norsgaard, mm-hmm. like she's, she's, this was her first year in the world tour. She's still new in that respect. And so for me, like those two riders in terms of world tour riders who are new to the scene, I'm excited about. Um, but I agree. Uh, Charlotte cool. It's very cool. I'm excited to see kind of where she goes. Well, we say like Emma Norsgaard is, you know how we always said in this season there's that breakout rider? For me, it's between maybe her and Demi. Yeah. I mean, I would say it's, yeah, I would say it's, yeah, definitely a tie between her and Demi because Demi still had had some pretty big results in 2020 and, and in 2019, but definitely took a huge leap this year but emma i mean she it's not like she wasn't good last year but she just the amount that she improved this year was was insane mm-hmm. i mean it was so cool it's so easy to forget that this was demi Wallerin's first year in the world tour yeah she just Seriously. seems she just slotted in so seamlessly that i didn't i'd forgotten that to be honest like it just feels like she's been around forever getting amazing results at that, that level mm-hmm. yeah and she's only 24 oh my god okay yeah what a future ahead i'm really excited about the next one most selfless domestic amy first boom go i mentioned her earlier i would say she just stands out to me i think because of um the ride she did at La horse and stuff but tiffany cromwell did a really good job this year in that sense that pool that she did at the bottom of the um, climb, whose name I can't remember, in La Course was pretty epic. Um, oh, her final attack as well. Yeah, mm. that's that's a fair one. Abby? Um, I, I was also going to say Tiffany mm, because she, we saw her a lot. And I think uh, also Christine Mayerus continues to kind of be – the pinnacle of doma seeking mm. i mean she's just su- such a well-rounded rider that she's super useful in many many different scenarios mm. honorable mention audrey cordon and loretta ha- hansen oh. yeah absolutely and you know loretta hansen was a great domestique even though we didn't see her a ton because trek re-signed her for two years yeah so that's how that's how you know that's when you know someone's doing the job because, yeah, you don't always see the hard work that they do because we don't get to see all the coverage. So sometimes when there's only yeah. 20K to go, those hard work is already done and dusted out of the picture. So The problem with this one is that 
we don't get to actually see it because we only see the end of women's races usually. So we'd probably have a lot more people to shout out if we got to watch the races in full. Because, I mean, I'm sure that there's, if you look at kind of everyone who won this year, there's live riders that brought Lota Kopecky to multiple World Tour wins. There's Yumbo Visma riders that Voss needed to, you know, be Voss. So there's a bunch of riders that I'm sure that we miss. And just in general, it's such a hard job being a domestique. Uh, actually, Taylor Wiles deserves a shout out. Yeah, as well. And also, I would like to give, I would like to add to this, as on one occasion, maybe or maybe a few occasions, but on this particular notable occasion, Anna van der Breggen in Liège for Demi Wallerin. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, with like the hero pull at the yeah. end that was multiple kilometers long. <laughs> yeah, and also in the course, she had a great like lead out moment La course was a weird race i think with La course we can kind of move into <laughs> disappointments <laughs> <laughs> disappointments obviously top of the list is the giro Done for me wow, 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 wow. just the whole thing the organization the live coverage that didn't exist the fact that the race was over at stage two it's the only 10-day stage race. I mean, heck, we harp on this one so much, but it's still always just a disappointment. I'm also going to probably get myself in trouble here. The women's tour? Um, Yes, but I was disappointed in the Olympic road race. Yes. I mean, I missed the whole bloody thing because I was in labor. Oh, my so God, maybe yeah. that's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a big disappointment. No. Um. And I have yet to rewatch it because it's not really something you go back three days later and watch. Um, when you I can't do that eh? with races. Like if it's happened and I missed it, it's just not the same when you're not watching it live. Like I can only watch like highlights. I could never sit and watch a race from start to finish if I hadn't seen it live. Like if I don't know the results, me. I don't mind to do it. But really, yeah. But I I knew that it was some. Yeah. Nope. And then <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm. I'll clarify. I'm super impressed with Anna Keys and Hopper. Uh, it was an incredible win for her, and I don't want to take any way anything away from that. But I was disappointed in the lack of the lack of racing, if you will, from the rest of the peloton. Because we really got into the Dutch on our post-Olympic pod. But if you look, I mean, it was it was everyone. <laughs> like, no one raced their bikes that day. Mm-hmm. And we were waiting five years for that race. So that was kind of the biggest, if you kind of take away race organization, which I would say the Giro and the women's tour fall into, my biggest disappointment in terms of racing and something that we anticipated for such a long time, I was... I was just pretty bummed about that we didn't see a show. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, I cool. fair. Which I think biggest flop would maybe in terms of a race that was a flop, I think the Giradona takes that takes the cake on that one. Yeah. One hundred percent. All the promises, all the build up before, like, oh we've changed, like it's gonna be different and then the course design. <laughs> The course design was terrible. Mm-hmm. 
We're done quicker than I thought we would be with that list. I thought that would take us a lot longer. None of I feel like we're all of us are a little bit off today. Maybe it's because it's November and the bike racing is very much behind us. Yeah, we're out of practice. It's hard. Like this is this is a fun episode, but then because the season's been so long, it's hard to remember some of those moments. And I was like thinking yeah, I need to go back and maybe Google something, but you can't really Google most exciting women's racing. <laughs> like maybe for next year, I'm going to write notes in a book. Specifically, you always go yeah. back to recycling tips and look at the articles about them. I could, <laughs> I could do that. Or you could look, at, look at all back the issues reports. of Women's Cycling Weekly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> in general, what are we? What's our like general feeling on the season? Big plus coverage, mostly. Um, Yeah, yeah. For most races, that was for me just a huge thing because yeah, Abby, we've been doing this podcast for a while, and going back to when we started in 2017, I mean, it was all just on Twitter, right? And even going to cover those races, like we were really, like, on the ground roaming reporters. I remember distinctly standing on the top of the Muruhi and taking a video and the amount of people that watched it just because it was the only sort of coverage you could get. Um, so I think <coughs> the big plus point was just how far we were coming with coverage. Another big plus for me is it's a plus and a minus. Um, the fact that the women are beginning to get paid better a lot of teams have introduced higher minimum salaries than what the UCI stipulated and have just gone mm-hmm. and done it on their own. I think that's that's really great. It means that a lot of women are now starting to earn um, better than an average wage, I would say. Uh, so we're seeing a bit more parity. The negative side to that is that we're seeing the gap growing between the World Tour teams and um, the non-World Tour teams. Um that being said, I think teams like Jumbo, Visma are still paying the riders quite well, but those just those continental teams um, are struggling more and I think that gap's just going to grow um, and breaking into the World Tour will be a little bit harder. I mean, there's more incentive to stay now and be a pro rider till you're 35. Um, if you're earning yeah. good money, why would you leave and if you're still enjoying it? No, and then I was just going to say the breakout of exciting new riders as well, of course, and I just think the general depth of women's cycling has just grown so much that there's just so many names now. It's not the same 10 names that we're always going on about. There's just, yeah, that's why I think this episode was quite hard because to go back and think about all the amazing rides throughout the year. Yeah, I think um, for me this year was the, the very, very beginning was super exciting the one days and then the very very end was super exciting where we saw like this post olympic kiesenhofer effect and the racing the dynamic changed but in the races and we saw more smaller names win races we saw people kind of uh find new hope in their racing abilities and so the beginning and the end were both exciting and i agree with you lauren that the live coverage and the growth of salaries, the professionalism of women's cycling are two major pluses from the year. But for some reason, this whole season for me feels like it was like a transition season because it's like this weird last season was bizarre. The COVID season was just such a such a weird season. 
this season was an Olympic year that was is always kind of chaotic and a little bit hard to follow. And next year is the first Tour de France, which is going to mark a whole new era of women's racing. So I think this year feels a little bit like a transition period in between. You get that with teams all the time where teams decide they want to rebuild their roster and for one year they can't figure out how to race together because it's all new riders and you call it a transition year and i mean i would say bike exchange had a transition year this year um and will next year is going to be it's going to be so big that it almost overshadows what this year was to me if that makes sense yeah it's kind of like a limbo phase yeah and it's it was like Tokyo 2020 and 2021 and there was still like this weird are the races going to happen and the, all the postponements and how late the season went it still just felt like a it felt like a weird year to me and it the only part that felt really um exciting and bike racy and everything was was the classics the spring classics Favorite races of the year for a reason. God, they're so yeah. good. Those races are so good. Like all of the people who are just like Tour de France fanatics, we j- we need them to watch the Spring Classics. Like they need to they need to figure out that there's like there's way better racing going on in the Spring. I used to kind of be like <laughs> I used to like not understand the classics. Like I obviously like m- loads of people got into the sport through the Tour de France and like didn't understand all this like fuss that was made about the classics until I like watched them. And then I was like, what? This is way more exciting. Yeah. It is way more exciting. So it's funny that actually the women have gotten the classics before Tour de France. Well, before Tour de France has come back, I guess, but lucky for them. Easier to organize. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah, this was a conversation we had like internally on cycling tips. Like, why, why is the Tour de France next year for the women Tour de France femme of X Swift? Why is it so iconic? Like, why are the women so excited about it? Why are why are all the interviews that they're doing? They're saying they're going to make they're excited to make history next year, and it's an interesting it's an interesting question because of course there was a women's Tour de France before, um, but. My response was, well, this is the first time there's going to be coverage. <laughs> yeah, that's the crucial part. Yeah, because people, yeah. no one really knew there was a women's Tour de France, right? Unless no, you're really... No one knew it existed. Exactly. And, and it had a different name too, which was confusing. So yeah. unless you were like really deep into the sport of women's cycling, you had no clue. I'm sure there's probably a lot of young riders that had no idea. If you said to them who won the women's Tour de France back in the 80s or whenever it was they would have no idea it also was pre-world tour uh racing calendar it was when we just had the world cups which was very different to having a world tour calendar the world world tour calendar makes it easy to be like okay if you are just starting out as a fan of of cycling here are the races you should watch like it just narrows it down and then once you get more into it that's when you can kind of dive into the niche stuff and watch the energy walk tour or the healthy aging tour and stuff like that so i think 
having the world tour calendar and having live coverage are kind of the two crucial things that will make will actually make this race a lot bigger than the women's tour de France from years past. I mean, it was also the eighties, like it was there was no barely live coverage of men's racing and stuff. Yeah. So it's just like a totally different <laughs> So women's world. sport had no chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to Freewheeling. We will be back soon. Next week, I'm hoping to talk to... I'm not going to say, because what if it falls through? Keep Heard it a that. surprise. Yeah, I'll surprise, surprise guess. Um, But we will be back probably to talk about some cyclocross because we're getting into the thick of the cyclocross season and uh, Lauren loves cyclocross and Amy and I need to figure out how to get a little bit more excited about the mud. Well, I, I think mud. you just have to come to Belgium, guys. Yeah, House we should. I'm there. Open. Tell me when. I'm coming. Really? <laughs> I'm Amy, Belgian beer tent is calling you. I just know it. Oh, man. Mm. Yes. Bring your true. Wellingtons. Oh yeah, I'll I'll pick them up when I go by the UK next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks everybody and have a great week. Mm-hmm.